Well, greetings once again. If you got a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to take it and go with me to the Gospel of Luke and the first chapter. Let me hear your pages turning to the Gospel of Luke and the first chapter. We're going to spend some time there together. When it comes to Christmas, I'm sure you would agree with me that one of the activities that seems to do- often dominate the holiday is the giving of gifts, which is something, quite honestly, that I have always enjoyed. I have always enjoyed giving gifts to my wife, Sandy, to my children, especially when they were younger, when they were small and at home. But even though they're grown now, I still enjoy giving them gifts, and I get the added pleasure of giving a gift to my daughter-in-law and my son-in-law. And I got to tell you, and some of you will be able to relate to this, I really, really love giving gifts to my grandchildren. Children, if you're a grandparent, say amen to that. I love that. I love giving gifts to the people that uh, are most important to me, and it's always been so much fun. But I got to be honest and tell you that for some reason in this Christmas season, it just hasn't felt as fun. We haven't given the gifts yet, but but buying the gifts and planning for the gifts, the whole thing just hasn't been as fun. Uh, for some reason, it, it's just been much more difficult than I expected it to be, and honestly, that it's ever been before. I usually begin to harass my kids and my grandkids for Christmas lists, or Christmas gift lists rather early, because getting it early start is important in our house because not only do we have Christmas to buy for, but my uh, daughter-in-law, my granddaughter, my son, my oldest grandson, and my son-in-law all have birthdays that fall between November the 27th and December the 29th, which makes it even worse to have to buy gifts. In fact, both of my oldest grandchildren's birthdays, I just said, are in December. And when Andrew and Kara said they were going to have a third child, I said, well, listen, if that baby is born in December, I'm done with them. He's going to be on his own. I don't want anything to do with him. (laughs) Fortunately for him, he came in March, and so it all worked out. But uh, I always need to get those Christmas gift lists early. And when Sandy and I got them, we sat down at the computer and began to shop. And that says a lot about where we are in our culture today, right? We sat down at the computer and we began to shop. Now, it's not that I uh, miss driving all over town and fighting with crowds of shoppers uh, for presents, but I will confess to say that I do miss shopping in person at least a little bit on some level. I mean, shopping by computer online is convenient, but I I miss the in-person experience. But for some reason this year, when we sat down at the computer to begin to buy the presents, we just had one problem after another. If we had the name of an item, we found it online, we were missing some kind of critical information like the size or the color or some other detail. If we found the item we were searching for and we had all the critical information, it was sold out. How many of you had that experience so far this year? We constantly were texting someone to ask, is this going to be okay? Is this item going to work? Would this be acceptable? And on and on and on. And at one point, we couldn't even find our daughter Trisha's Christmas list. And when we finally found it, we were so happy because we bought her this really nice gift. But we bought her this really nice gift only to find out after it had been purchased that we were using last year's Christmas list. (laughs) True story. I can go on, but I'll stop there. And I said to my wife, Sandy, more times I guarantee than she wanted to hear, this isn't any fun. I'm not having any fun. There's no fun in this. It's just, you know, bah humbug, Scrooge, Grinch, all rolled in or up together. And I felt that way for a couple of reasons. Number one, obviously because it was frustrating. Number two, because the buying of the Christmas presents and the birthday presents just didn't feel very personal. It felt more like accomplishing a task rather than something that I was genuinely excited about. 
Now, I, I will admit that Amazon has made Christmas shopping a lot easier with the Amazon Christmas wish list, but at the same time, I have mixed feelings about that because while you know you're getting someone a present that they want, you also know that there's no, gonna be no surprise when they open it up on Christmas morning. Now, I, I know how easy it is this time of year to get so fixated on buying and giving gifts that you can lose sight of the real meaning of the celebration. We really try hard at our house not to do that. Uh, we try uh, really hard not to do that all through the month of December. And then when we get right down to the holiday, I'm sure like many of you, the first thing we do on Christmas morning before anything else is said or done, we get out our Bible and we read the Christmas story from Luke chapter two. That's I'm sure many of our favorite part of the Christmas holiday. We, we will have just spent the evening before in Christmas Eve services. And I say services because I go to multiple Christmas Eve services every year, and oftentimes my son Andrew, who was on the video, and my daughter Tricia, who was on the platform, goes to multiple Christmas Eve services, and so by the time Christmas morning rolls around, we're, we're good. We're good to go, and we're ready to open those presents, and I like watching it. I like watching everybody's face, and I like the excitement of it all. Gifts will always be a part of the Christmas Season, the Christmas holiday, especially when you think about that first Christmas where we got the gift of God coming into the world in the person of Jesus. And that's the gift I really want to talk to you about for a few moments. So if you've got your Bible open to Luke chapter one and you're able today, I'm going to ask you to or invite you to stand with me for the reading of the scripture. If you're a guest, I want to reiterate what I said earlier, what, what a great joy it is to have you in our service. Thank you for being here. This might seem a little odd, but we uh, always make the public reading of Scripture a significant part of our weekend worship experience. And because we love and respect God's Word, we stand together when we do it. You follow along as I read these familiar words from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Here we go. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? <clears throat> the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. All right, there it is. You can be seated. Every week we ask that God would bless the reading and the hearing of his word. When it comes to Christmas, there is no greater gift than Jesus. But what I want us to think about today is that before Jesus became God's gift to the world, he was God's gift to Mary. And when you read this familiar story of the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary that she was going to give birth to Jesus, I think you can see the reality of three very important gifts that Jesus brought into Mary's life. If you're someone who likes to take notes, you might want to write this first one down somewhere. Number one, the gift of the favor of God. When Jesus came into Mary's life, when she got the privilege of being his mother, he gave to her the gift of the favor of God. We saw that 
in Luke chapter one and verse 28, when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, the first thing he said to her was, greetings, you who are highly favored the Lord is with you. And then a little bit later in Luke chapter one and verse 30, he said, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now think about Mary's life before that happened. Before that happened, she was just a teenage girl who was living in Nazareth. She was preparing to marry a man named Joseph. It was a prepared marriage. She didn't have anything to do with it. It was something that had already been prearranged. She probably had no ambition in her life apart from taking care of her home, taking care of her husband, and someday ultimately taking care of her children. She was a poor girl. She was a simple girl who by worldly standards, by worldly standards, would have been viewed as insignificant. But here's one of the most wonderful truths about God. With God, there is no such thing as an insignificant person. Because there's not a single person on this planet that God doesn't see. There's not a single person on this planet that God doesn't know. There's not a person on this planet that God doesn't love. Think about the significance of that for a moment. I've been a pastor long enough to know that most all of us, at least on some level, struggle with some kind of insecurity. And one of the things insecurity does to us is it causes us to sometimes feel hidden. Uh, we get up and we go through our day, day after day after day, oftentimes doing, for the most part, the same thing over and over and over again as just time passes by and we wonder, does anybody notice me? Does anybody really appreciate me? Am I, am I doing anything at all that captures the attention of anyone else? And it's easy to feel hidden. But with God, just like there is no such thing as an insignificant person, with God, no one is hidden. No matter who you are, he has a place for you. No matter who he are, he has a plan for your life. And we see that, or we're reminded of that in Gabriel's message to Mary when he said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Highly favored. What does that word favored mean? In the original language of the New Testament, it's a Greek word that's found only two times it's found here in Luke chapter 1 and verse 28, and then it's found later in the writing of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. It's this multi-syllable word that is difficult to pronounce, and here's my best effort. It means, or excuse me, it's pronounced like this, kaheritomine. And if we were to look strictly at the academic definition, remember this is the word favored, then the academic definition would be to make graceful. So when Gabriel said that Mary was favored by God, that she was made graceful by God, it means having been graced. When he said that she was favored, she had the favor of God, it means that, that, um, that she'd, she'd been made and made graceful by God. She had been graced by God. But if we want to understand what the word means on a real simple, practical, everyday where you and I live, then this is what it means. You should write this down maybe in the margin of your Bible. It means to be seen and accepted. So when the angel Gabriel said to Mary, greetings, you who are highly favored, he says, greetings, you who have been seen by God and who have been accepted by God. What do all of us long for? I think you can make the case that it's to be seen and accepted, which is what God does when he favors us with his grace. 
When Mary was favored by God's grace, two things happened. He blessed her and he used her. And it was an incredible gift for Mary. And it can be an incredible gift for you as well. The second gift that Jesus brought into Mary's life on what we think of as that first Christmas is the gift of a nothing is impossible for God experience. The gift of a nothing is impossible for God experience. When Gabriel told Mary that she was gonna give birth to a son named Jesus who would be great and would be called the son of the most high, her initial response isn't surprising at all. She looked at Gabriel and she asked in Luke 134, how will this be since I am a virgin? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not married yet, not in the strictest sense of the word. I'm betrothed to Joseph, but we haven't consummated that marriage yet. I've never been with a man in an intimate way. How will this be since I'm a virgin? And ultimately, Gabriel answered her question by explaining that her pregnancy was the result of the miraculous work of God in her life. And he concluded it all by saying in Luke 137, for nothing, everyone say nothing, nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God. Can you imagine, I can, can you imagine a time or times in Jesus's life when he was little, before he got to that point where he began his earthly ministry and he announced himself as the Messiah, as the, as, as, as the Son of God, as God in human flesh. Can you imagine times when he was growing up when Mary told him the story of what had happened that night when Gabriel visited her? I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility to think that over the course of his growing up years, Mary must have related to him that story over and over again. Don't we talk, don't we talk to our children that way? When our children are being raised, don't we tell them stories about things that happened in our lives? Don't we talk to them about the highlights of our lives? We want them to know where they're coming from and and, and how they got here and, and all the things about their family heritage and background. And I can just imagine Mary saying once again, Jesus, remember when I told you about how the angel Gabriel, maybe every year on his birthday, maybe, how the angel Gabriel visited me and told me about you were gonna be born and on and on and on and I didn't know how that would happen. And Gabriel said, for nothing is impossible with God. I think that probably happened. It's my own speculation, I know. But then I can imagine Jesus as he grows up to be a man, he begins his earthly ministry and the multiple times, here's one example, he said something like this. This is one example from Matthew 19, 26. He said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And Jesus would be able to say that because he was God incarnate, right? He knew that for a fact because he was God in human flesh. But could have, he could have added the tagline and listen, in case there's any doubt, my mother told me this is true. My mom taught me that. What an incredible experience. What a great gift to experience that nothing is impossible for God. Can I tell you this morning that that's a gift that I long for in my life. That's a, that's a gift that I long to experience in my life and I'm sure many of you would say the same thing. I've shared with you over the last several months that my sister-in-law, Jolene, is battling two malignant brain tumors. She has the worst kind of the worst kind of brain tumors you can have. And she's had two surgeries, but the prognosis for her is just not good because there's no cure for these malignant brain tumors. She's going through uh, trial treatment through MD Anderson Cancer Research Center in Houston, Texas with the hope of prolonging her life, but apart from a supernatural, nothing is impossible with God act. 
there's not a a whole lot of hope for her. Her faith has been remarkable through all of this and thousands upon thousands of people, including many of you, are praying for her supernatural healing from God. I haven't told you that in addition to that, my wife Sandy has a brother named Brent who battled a head and neck cancer a couple of years ago and came through it with a clean bill of health, but just in the last few months, the cancer has returned and it's returned in a very aggressive way. And it has, the doctor said, spread through his entire body, including his brain. And about 10 days ago, the doctor said that it was the worst kind of cancer that he could have. And so not only are we praying for a miraculous, nothing is impossible for God healing for my sister-in-law, Jolene, but we're praying for that same thing for my brother-in-law, Brent, We open up our Bibles and we read about these kind of experiences over and over again. The Israelites saw one at the Red Sea. Uh, They were being led out of Egyptian bondage and Pharaoh changed his mind. The Egyptian army was pursuing them from behind and they got to the Red Sea and they didn't know how they were gonna get to safety, but nothing is impossible for God and he parted the sea and they walked across on dry land. We saw it when Daniel was in the lion's den. He was thrown into the lion's den just for being a faithful man of spiritual integrity. And yet, because nothing is impossible for God, he shut the mouths of the lions. We saw it for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who also were thrown into a fiery furnace for nothing but being men of integrity when it came to their faith and their devotion to God. And even though they were in the flames because nothing is impossible for God, the flames did not consume them. We saw it in the New Testament when Jesus brought brought Jairus' the synagogue ruler's daughter back to life after she had died because nothing is impossible with God. And then after Jesus rose from the dead and returned to heaven, one day Peter and John in the book of Acts were on the way to the temple and they encountered a, a man who was lame and begging and Peter, in the name of Jesus, healed him because nothing is impossible with God. We see it over and over in the Bible. And yet... Oftentimes, we find ourselves in this world facing these incredibly difficult circumstances in our lives or in the lives of people that we know and we love and we long for that same gift that Jesus brought to Mary on that first Christmas when he said, in answer to her question, how can this be since I'm a virgin? For nothing is impossible with God. And so... What do we do? Well, I can tell you today that, here's the, that this is the absolute best thing that I could say to my sister-in-law, Jolene, and to my brother-in-law, Brent. I could say to them, or I would say to them, the only thing we can do is stay as close as possible to the very presence of God and trust him. And I don't say that because that's some kind of a Sunday school answer. I say that for a very specific reason, and it comes right from this story that we're looking at in Luke 1. When Mary asked Gabriel how she could be pregnant while she was a virgin, he said to her, as a part of that explanation, this is Luke 1.35, look at the words on the screen. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and then note this part, he said, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. I want you to think about that. God is a big God who figuratively speaking casts a big shadow 
And because of that, the closer we are to him, the more he overshadows us with his love and the more he overshadows us with his care and the more he overshadows us with his protection. That's why Psalm 91 and verse one says, he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. And so all we can do, friends, in this, in this world, in our lives, is to stay as close to God as possible and trust him and believe that when we are covered by his shadow, we put ourselves in a place where we can experience and nothing is impossible with God experience. Listen to me close. Whether it happens in this world or it happens in that world to come when we see him face to face. The third gift that Jesus brought to Mary on that first Christmas. And maybe it's not accurate to say this is a gift, but I'm gonna use that terminology anyway, is the gift of complete submission to God's will. What other choice did she have upon that announcement? I'm not taking anything away from Mary's faith, but honestly, when you receive a message like that, what's your response gonna be? She said, may it be to me as you have said. The gift of complete submission to God's will. I wish that gift for all of you who are listening to my voice right now, whether you're in person or online. I wish for you the experience of complete submission and complete surrender to the will of God in your life, knowing that that could mean so many different things for all of us, depending on where we find ourselves in our lives or where we find ourselves in our lives of faith or the lack of faith today. But I wish we could all experience that same attitude of submission and that same attitude of surrender because that's what makes it possible for us to experience God on a deeper level than we have ever experienced him before. By opening up ourselves and saying to him, I'm yours, I surrender, do what you want, do what you wish, and whatever your will for me is, may it be to me as you have said. I want you to pray with me. Father, thank you so much for a few minutes to spend in your word. And I pray that you would take your word, the truth of your word, and apply it to our hearts right at the point of our need. You know what's going on in every one of our hearts and every one of our lives and every one of our families in this Christmas season. You know what we need. Help us. Help us to be people who respond to you in faith and trust. We love you and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we do anything else, I'm just gonna share with you that the team is gonna come and we're gonna and lead us in another song. And uh, there's gonna be a time in that song when we invite you, if you have a need in your life today that is weighing heavy on your heart, maybe a prayer concern for yourself or someone in your family or someone you know and love, maybe just a, the recognition of an emptiness and something missing in your life, then we're gonna have some prayer counselors uh, that are gonna be watching. And if, if you were to come forward, they will come forward and meet you to pray with you today. I know it can be daunting to come forward, but all we need to worry about today is that God is extending an invitation to us and we need to take advantage of that opportunity. If you have a need, you just come 
and someone will come and pray with you today. Let's stand together.